Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. But before we jump in, I'm always keen to hear from our listeners and my inbox is open to you on jacob at journalism.co.uk. Right, let's get into it. We talk a lot these days about digital transformation, and a big part of that shift is a greater attention to data and metrics to make sure you're moving in the right direction. As we shift towards a more user and needs-based journalism, the question today is how does that change the priorities and business imperatives of the news operation? In other words, are we so obsessed and driven by getting huge clicks and subscription conversions that it starts to weigh heavy on those doing the reporting? Joining me today to talk about this is Elizabeth Gampol. The managing editor of the Data Storytelling Unit at the German news organisation Süddeutsche Zeitung. Elizabeth is also a Reuters Institute Journalist Fellow and has recently researched this topic in some depth. Her recent paper on metrics anxiety explores precisely why journalists should be the ones controlling the data and not the other way around. That data should be helping, not hindering, our decision-making processes. With that in mind, she offers insights on what the best newsrooms are doing right with data and how to apply the right metrics to your business goals. All of that's coming up after a quick word from today's sponsor. This journalism.co.uk podcast is supported by Memberful, which is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience. You can monetize your fantastic newsletters through Memberful with no need to connect to a third-party email provider. Try it for free on memberful.com, where you can also take up pro and premium plans to really start cranking up and customising your membership offering. Elizabeth, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Jacob. I'm glad to be here. Can you give our listeners a snapshot of what your working situation is like at the moment? How is work? Um... I work um, at the visual desk as the managing editor um, at Süddeutsche Zeitung in Munich in Germany. And we are working on digital storytelling pieces and try to find new ways to tell stories. And part of my job is also look at metrics and look at data. And honestly, um, I was always very afraid um, of data and metrics. And so I was thinking about working on a paper for the Reuters Institute to just to overcome my own anxiety. I think you're quite right because journalists sometimes run away from numbers. We don't like numbers that much. Um, Talk to me about this idea of metrics anxiety. What is it and why is it important to talk about? Honestly, most journalists become journalists because we care about stories and describing the world. I think nobody become a journalist because he or she cares about dashboards or metrics. And when I talk to colleagues and journalists, I always feel that we are all very insecure about working with metrics and many journalists still have a lot of prejudices about metrics. Like, for example, they are afraid that metrics will bankrupt journalistic culture or that we are chasing numbers and betraying our journalistic values just for the traffic. And honestly, I also had doubts. I worried about ending up surrounded by dashboards and feeling more like a stockbroker than a journalist. And 
There are studies, really, there are studies about how emotional metrics are for journalists. Um, metrics evoke feelings like anxiety, self-doubt, competition, and demotivations. And this was the, my motivation for the paper for the Reuters Institute. Uh, I wanted to bring helpful lessons from different newsrooms together and provide a guideline for newsrooms. Yeah, yeah it's not black magic. <laughs> not black magic. You did talk to a number of really um, prestigious editors in in newsrooms for this report my question really is what are the best newsrooms doing right with data or to put it another way what mistakes are they not making with data this is a very tricky question um i think it is a typical trial and fail procedure because otherwise you don't learn and everyone has to make mistakes um i don't know maybe the mistakes successful newsrooms are not making is to be afraid of making mistakes um the most successful newsrooms, for example, say um, metrics aren't something unchangeable or something static. Metrics are an ongoing process to work with. It's like it's like a feedback loop. And you should set goals for what you want to achieve. You should do it and then measure it afterwards if you have achieved it or not. Because measuring for the sake of measuring is almost useless. In your response there, you seem to say that newsrooms are a bit hesitant of using metrics. Why? What? What? what where is the apprehension? Where? Where? Is, where does the anxiety come from? Nobody wants to feel judged, and we are all afraid that we are rating our journalism. And it's not about a top ten list. Who are the best writers in our newsroom, for example? And I think many journalists are afraid of that. And. That's the journalistic gut instinct. I don't know if it's an English expression, but we say it in Germany very often that this gut instinct is no longer needed. Are we talking about here like the pursuit of metrics like page views and clicks? And is, is that what we talk about when we like hung up on how well a story performs? Um, this is a very interesting thing. I really would like to talk about page views first, if it's okay for you, because it's very interesting that clicks and page views are always perceived as the pure evil. Looking at page views and clicks won't turn your newsroom into a cat content hell. If you are changing your journalism to get more clicks and page views, your newsroom culture has a problem and you should rethink your business model. I think it is okay to want page views and clicks because you want to reach readers. It's totally okay, but you always have to remember High numbers of readers may say nothing about the quality of an article. But what, for example, what if I tell you that you need only to change the headline of your article slightly to get thousands more readers. Or if I tell you that publishing the article at another time with another picture will increase readership, I think this is something good. But here comes the tricky thing. You should never look at just at page views, but also at reading time, for example, because this prevents you from overselling an article with a too catchy headline, for example. And yes, and you want journalists to be engaged with the data and you don't want them to and you want them to care about um about data but you don't want them to feel judged because this would lead to a toxic environment in the newsroom and you don't want that you want um celebrate your success analyze failures in a constructive way to help drive journalists natural curiosity about uh, metrics yeah there are there are lots of metrics out there though and we often call this the uh the data spaghetti monster how do you begin to untangle that and make sense of metrics which are reliable and um, 
measurable, I guess. Yes, and this is a good thing because we all are afraid of the data spaghetti monster. Um, and the most important thing is that you should focus on measures and numbers that support your editorial and revenue model. Otherwise, you run the risk of adapting your journalism to the metrics instead of the other way around. Um, I don't know if you know what I mean. It's like your journalism is the priority, the metrics facilitates it. Um, once you've clearly defined what you want to achieve, it is essential to ask yourself if the metrics you are tracking are the reflection of the desired effects towards your goal. Um, let me give you an example. For, um, are push notifications help to retain users and drive loyalty? For example, you have to ask questions and metrics are able to answer and you have to work with a hypothesis, for example. So do you know the cherry picking problem? Um, it's like and <laughs> it's a problem in my team, for example, um, it is very easy to say the article worked well because you just um, pick the metric that confirms the success of the story. And But if you set goals in advance or set uh, goals or set theories, it is harder to bend the data afterwards. So I think this is the most important thing that you are really have the goal and then you think about which metric will help me achieve this goal. I think it's very interesting that you said that metrics support the journalism and i think sometimes we get that the wrong way around we try to write journalism which supports a metric if i write this story this will get loads of hits this will get loads of clicks rather data should be used to assess how well something performs there will always be stories that are particularly important to an editorial team but which will never fly they will never be blockbusters and this is perfectly fine as long as you make it clear in advance what you want from the piece so for example, story that do well on the one hand and story that matter as, a, as you as a newsroom on the other. It would mean that you are publishing articles that do not correspond to the values of your medium and that shouldn't happen at all. Metrics should never judge you. What You always need a human judgment. You always should say this story was great because the writing was great, because the headline was perfect and the topic was awesome. It should never be a good story because the metrics were perfect and the numbers were great it's always about the the journalistic judgment here this is very important I, th I think what you're saying is the purpose of the data needs to be correct right the purpose of data is to assess how well something performed not to validate it yeah this is true this is you said it perfectly <laughs> <laughs> There's this idea of a god metric, which is exactly what you think it is. It's one sacrosanct metric used to inform and confirm decisions, whether that's page views or subscription conversions, or something like a cumulative score metric. The trouble is, when you rely on one piece of data for guidance, you get blind spots. Elizabeth tells us why we need to diversify the data we're looking at, and why we cannot afford to just rely on one data source to know if what we're doing is actually working. There are two types of God metrics, for example. The one, the first is um, to tell the newsroom the most important metric you have. For example, at Süddeutsche Zeitung, it is um, conversions. Um, and this is very good because you have one goal, as I said before, and it, this provides guidance to the, to the journalists. Um, but you have to be very careful because it's um, just one metric is very superficial. It's good for an overview, for example, but you have to dig deeper into the metrics to really perform better to to know your how to report better um 
And there is a second type, as I said, like this, um, when it comes to God metrics, um, it's this is the one metric to rule them all. It's like, um, <laughs> sorry, I really like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's like you, you, uh, the God metric is you are aggregating different metrics into a score, which equates to quality, like a score of 100 or a score of 50. This is the most, the best score you can reach. Um, I think this is difficult and this could be also lead to a toxic environment because I think it could lead the journalists feel judged and that they are, they feel like they are rated by, by, by the numbers. And, and this is very difficult because you can put five people together in a room and to look at a single piece and everyone will give a different score to a, to an article. So I would, I would be very careful with that. Yes. In your case for Sadoche Zeitung, your main metric, as you said, is conversion. What kind of stories typically have low conversion, but you still really do those stories? Oh, this is oh, this is a very mean, <laughs> not a nice question. <laughs> um, let me think about that. It's not, it's not that they don't have any readers, for example, but you know there are some stories which are very important for you as a brand, and they um, tell you what you as your as a, as, your, as a newspaper is and we always will do the stories and we always will do stories where people work for six or seven months on one story when we when you think about our big investigations about tax havens for example so we will always do that even if we know it's not as um, successful in conversions we talk about conversions as for example um, I don't know interview with um I don't know, with a, with, a, with a famous star, for example. But we will always do this because we believe in it and we believe in this kind of journalism. And and we don't, and the data will help us to find um, find maybe new, new formats for it. For, for example, the, the FAQ format, uh, we, we really love it because we know that our readers love it. But um, we will always experiment with that and... We always will experiment with the publishing time and with visual journalism because we see, for example, that people love graphics and pictures and so, but we will never, it will never stop us from doing things we believe in. So, and, but always we have to say, I'm commissioning a story and learning that readers didn't really like it. It's not a bad mistake. Um, we just aren't into the story as we are covering it and maybe we find a better way. It's about experimenting and find um, new formats, for example. How much do journalists need to know when it comes to data? I mean, how how much is too much data? How much is not enough data? Where is the balance? Mm, I think this is a very good question because I think it depends on your role in the newsroom. So as a newsroom manager, for example, you should be think very careful about how to inject um, metrics into your newsroom. And so... For some, it will be totally okay to get a report from time to time. For some journalists, it's very important to just know about their pieces. And for some, I don't know, managing editor, it's very important to know, okay, which is issues, which topics are work best. So you have to come up with a communication plan when you're um, working with metrics. And I talked, for example, to um, Chris Moran from The Guardian, and he said um, they have... Um, a set of questions they ask before they release a new metric to the newsroom. 
for example, one of the questions is um, what is the me mechanism of for the delivery? Or um, I really love this question. For example, what is the potential damage and how can it be gamed with this metric? What you always also should do, you not just um, provide um, your journalists with the data, you should also um, provide training with them. You need the people in your newsroom really have to trust your analytics analysts, sorry, and and the whole newsroom has to become metric literate, for example. That you have, therefore, you have to provide training, and you need some kind of open door culture where journalists can ask questions about metrics um, to data journalists, and you have to be not afraid of asking questions. And it's not like do it yourself, not just providing them with a dashboard and say, okay, here's the dashboard, find your way through the through the channel. This is not working. So it's 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 ongoing conversations in the newsroom, and you. You have really to see it as a task of you to think about metrics and to learn how to interpret them properly. Interpret properly is 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 correct, but also I guess for a reporter is not to obsess over the data, right? Not to get too hung up on it. Can you give me an example from your newsroom on how you interpret data? Last week we, for example, we published the Pandora papers, or two weeks ago we had the elections. And you know, we will always, the editorial decisions always come first. So so we want to do a big project. We want to do the Pandora papers. Then we are, we are thinking about, okay, what what do our readers need to understand the, the impact of the Pandora papers, for example? And then we are um, just writing our articles and find the best CEO um, keywords, for example. And then we making a, a very, very um, precise plan on when do we publish our stories, what is the the most important, what are the most important keywords, and then we, we publish the story and afterwards we will evaluate it and, okay, does it work? What does, what was better than last time, for example? What did we do? What Which formats work best? And the FAQ format, for example, the people love it. Um, we always prepare this. And we are also thinking very... Um, very precisely which things we want to have behind the paywall and which stories we want to have for free for the for the people out there so it's a big conversation in our newsroom and yeah what happens in your newsroom when you commission a story and it doesn't perform well what are the steps you go through to assess why that happened mm. when we expect the story to have a high number of readers. And then we see, okay, the readers weren't as high as we expected. What we normally are doing is to make some hypothesis about why we think it's not, not has, has worked. For example, okay, maybe we published it on a on a on a on the wrong time with the wrong headline. Maybe the the picture was not catchy enough. And then we publish it to another time with another picture and then we see if it's working then, for example. And sometimes we always also say, okay, maybe uh, we should, we, we see, for example, that explainer formats work very well in our, in our department. So we think, okay, maybe we should do more of explainers and less of know, opinion pieces. But I just talk now about, about my visual storytelling department, not about the whole newsroom, because there is no structured way in where we work. Yeah. So you, you take a guess on why it perhaps didn't work so well. And then you just try again with similar stories. You change the publishing time, you change the image, the headline, and so hopefully try to move 
further, you know, a higher score or a, or a more more higher conversion, something like that. Yes, and we in, in the beginning we we always ask ourselves which problem will be solved with the, with this article for our audience. What does the audience want, and what can we provide them with? Nicer question for you. What happens when a story does really well and you know that uh, the metrics really support your hypothesis? What do you do next? Celebrate. And <laughs> <laughs> Besides that, in terms of your process. No, it's um, celebrate. And then we use this as best practice examples. And then we ask ourselves, okay, what can we learn about that? Because it's not about, yeah, cool, we have a high number of readers and that's it. It's always about learning and having this positive feedback loop. I talked in the beginning. It's like, okay, what was the reason? Was was it because that, that was it the topic or did we reach a lot of where do the readers come from, from social, from Instagram, for example? What did we do different from other other pieces, for example? So we try to find out why it worked. And and yeah, this is um, the most important thing. And, and then who do you tell? Who do you communicate that to? Um, we have editorial meetings, three a week where we talk about that. And I, for ex- as an, our team, for example, we have a we have we call it sure fix, <laughs> a weekly meeting and um, with our with a data analyst where we talk about that and discuss that, and we also have a weekly meeting with other editorial members where we tell them about our hypothesis and about uh, good working pieces, and then we all discuss it. What, why do we think this? story was great and it's always not it's not the story was great because the numbers were great it's always about oh the story was great because of this and this and this and you see um the readers really liked it too in many newsrooms an idea often lives or dies by how the editor-in-chief in particular feels about that idea in terms of gaining buy-in from their teams and setting the right tone and attitude in the ranks i ask elizabeth about the role of newsroom leaders and why it matters for them to take metrics more seriously. I think it's not just the editor-in-chief, it's also the the newsroom leaders. And if the editor-in-chief and the newsroom leaders, if they don't believe in metrics or data-led journalism, no one will. They have to care and they have to know how to work with metrics and they have to know the vocabulary. Um, Otherwise, no one does. Um, Because working with metrics is a leadership task and... Whoever is in the management position should see data analysts as a partner who they could ask for advice, for example, and they should, whatever you need to trust. But I think it's it's very important that they are on board and they really believe in this in this kind in this metrics and in in this process. Yeah. With that in mind, as we shift more towards, you know, user and um, needs based journalism, really. How do you think that will shape the future skill set of editors-in-chief, say, in the next five, ten years? I think the whole management, um, this, the, you need journalistic knowledge, but you also need, um, you should be interested in technical solutions and in product management. Um, metrics aren't just about delivering great journalism to your audience. It's also about how should we work in the future? And it also has a lot to do with change management, for example. And with metrics, you are dis- you may discover untapped markets, for example, and, and they help you make your product better. And for this, you should know a little bit of product management. I just want to give you two examples. One about um, how it could change 
how we work in the future. Um, I talked with um, the Swedish newspaper Dagens Nyheter, and they have a clear idea of who their digital readers are. This led, for example, to the opening of new newsrooms in two cities in the south of Sweden. Back in the print-only days, the agenda was dominated by Stockholm, but the switch to digital readers made it clear the audience was much more widespread and in the need of representation. So they needed new offices in other, other cities. And this has really changed the way they worked and it also changed um, the way the newsroom worked. So I find this example very interesting. And also the one, I don't know if you ever heard about gender bots. Gender bots. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's, it's, it's called gender diversity bots. Um, they are currently um, being used by media outlets like, I think, Financial Times and Dagens Neiter, the, the Swedish newspaper. These bots are trained to count the frequency with which women and men are quoted in news articles. Right. I've heard of similar technology to this, but yeah. They don't do it to fight the patriarchy. <laughs> they just um, research shows uh, a positive correlation between stories that include quotes from women and higher rates of engagement with female readers because female readers are no, now more important than it were in, in all the old days. So it changed the way they... They do things. This changed the way they they, they just developed the product, the, this bot, for example. And as an editor in chief or as the management um, staff, I have to be not afraid to to make these decisions. So you have to be interested in things like product management. Yeah, two super examples in there, Elizabeth. If I could ask you a top line question here from your research. What was the biggest realization for you? What's the one takeaway you'd really like to leave our listeners with? Let me think about that because I really learned a lot. Um, I learned it's not about the formula or it's not about the metrics. It's really about, it's about the newsroom culture and to really trust your analysts and to be really curious about metrics and that metrics are not the one who are judging us. It's always the journalistic judgment is still the most important thing and we and we can use metrics to work more efficient and we can use metrics to to know our audience better and this is maybe i, f I find this very wonderful because in in when i started being a journalist i always thought about um i want to reach a lot of readers with my with my reporting but now I really know how many people I reach and I really like this and I really have the feeling that I can make, can make my journalism better. And and I always think about how good is journalism if nobody reads it and it's good to to know how to to reach them and to experiment. And it's, it's very cool because no one knows the solution. There's no um, blueprint for every newsroom. So everyone has to find its own way through the data jungle and this is frightening but also very exciting i think yeah I, I would describe that as um journalists should rule metrics metrics shouldn't rule journalists yeah definitely not the other way around metrics never should rule you it's not it's not like in lord of the rings the, the it's not the the ring who should um, you have to follow everywhere no it's not this, this is not the case you're doing your journalism, you're doing your reporting, and then you 
use metrics as assistance or a tool, whatever you want, or as little hobbits <laughs> to help you uh, improve your journalism and your reporting and not the other way around. And, and you don't have to be very excited about metrics. It's not like we're all journalists. We care about stories. I know, I know. But if you just know, if you just can change some of your workflows a little bit, like publishing time or working with headlines, and reach more people. This is really awesome, honestly. So, what is the one skill you need to do your job every day, above all else? Yeah, it's. I think the most important skill is um, to listen to your colleagues, because there is so much amazing knowledge in your newsroom from people who know the Taliban to people who know Pandora Papers to people who know the newest local news and also to very digital people and it's just very crazy at the moment because no one knows what will be the what will be the next big thing in five or ten years and this is very crazy and it's like wild wild west somehow and we are in this together and just to be to be curious and to listen to all people and go on a beer again then naturally I'm going to ask, can you give our listeners one tip to be a better listener to the, to your colleagues and teammates? Don't take yourself and your topics too serious. Just make a joke about yourself as well. And then just drink tea or beer and listen. And you maybe be an expert on your field, but we are journalists. We are amazing. And our business model is amazing. So, Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing all your insights with our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Really good to talk to Elizabeth there. And I learned lots on this one. One, journalists control metrics. Metrics should not control journalists. I think many of us have felt the thrill of your story getting lots of views. But equally, many of us have felt the pressure that comes when your story falls flat. Data is used best when it helps you understand what audiences enjoy. Don't place all your bets on one metric, but also think about how the leaders in the newsroom can set a healthy environment around data. If you like what you heard today, you can check out more of our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. And if you'd like to feature on the show, do drop me an email on jacob at journalism.co.uk. But that's all we have time for today. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.